0: The Football Frenzy on Cofield and Company.
1: All right, here we go. Three o'clock hour. A little early today, going 2 to 4.30, getting out of the way for the national title game right here on ESPN Las Vegas, your home for Westwood One Sports. Tip is at 6.20. Lengthy pregame for uh, about two hours coming up after Cofield and Company. Willie Ramirez. Cofield, Ari's back in our Finley Toyota Studios. Frenzy time. So I'm going to be out at UNLV practice again tomorrow. Didn't get to go the last couple days because I was out of town. And I'm definitely interested in seeing what's coming together with the offensive line. I mentioned last week they've had a bunch of dudes behind Julio Garcia who are just massive human beings with UNLV, ready to step up and play some of the interior line positions. And last week I had mentioned uh, Anthony Rosas, who's just a gigantic kid out of Southern California. We were talking about the squat. We proposed a potential squat-off on the show, um, and I'm 100% ready to go this afternoon against you, Willie. Let's go. Oh, no, the knee. He he Uh, can't do it. How bad... How, How salty bad.
2: are you that you lost the Duke bet? That's all How I to How to, bad? To, 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 to just completely jump kid, all over. I kid because I
1: care. I kid because I care. But you're uh, an injured what's, soldier. What's going to happen here? You got you got the uh, the knee tear, so you're going to have to go uh, under something?
2: I, I did. I went to the MRI. Uh, I went to review the MRI with the surgeon today. Very highly regarded in this town. Very, very highly regarded. Uh And he showed me the pictures, he explained what I could do, and it's to the point where I could do one of two things. I could ignore it and deal with intermittent pain, it'll slowly just, sort of just go away, it won't repair itself, but it'll, um, then it'll be intermittent pain, which I've already had before the pop that I felt a couple of weeks ago at T-Mobile in the press room, Um, or the good thing is, out of the procedures that have been that, that you'd think off a meniscus tear, I do not have to have the meniscus repaired. They just have to go in and do a cleanup because very little arthritis that you could see. Cartilage is healthy. So I have scheduled a cleanup where they're going to go in, and I will be able to walk out on my own from the surg- uh, surg- surgery center. And two days later, I'll be able to attend the Golden Knights game. So my Iron Man streak, I have never missed a regular season or playoff home game in the history of this franchise. I put that up against any other media member, by the way. Um, <laughs> and so – and I was – ask Adam. I was really concerned about that. That was the biggest thing that was bothering me. I was like, hey, I really don't want to be – miss that. I don't want to ruin that
1: streak. you got to put this off. you got you to put this off until
2: mid-May. No, no, no. I can go, he said. And – I did ask him specific question. When can I get back in the squat rack? And he said, realistically, you could get back in there based on pain tolerance, but give yourself about four weeks to get in there squatting regularly, and then six to eight weeks, and you're and then you're pushing weight. So um, I was I was I was ready to frown down on the surgery and just say I'm just going to tough it out because I always told myself after 45, especially 50, no one's cutting my knee or my shoulder, but Based on the, the reputation of these this particular group, which Lotus is very familiar with, because I believe that they've sponsored some programs here. But anyway, um, based on their reputation, based on the fact that it's the minimal of all procedures, and he said I could walk out on my own, I am looking forward to our squat-off. But you know what, Steve? Here's the thing. He did say pain tolerance, and as long as my knee stays forward, which a proper squat form— I am willing to get in the squat rack and take on your challenge before my surgery date if you really want to go at it because I feel like I could push 225 right now.
1: I was uh, I was out of town and I spent four days putting on some real positive weight, some real positive weight. A lot well, of barbecue, yeah, or a lot oh. of barbecue, a lot of cheese, yeah. a lot of yeah. beer. It got real ugly. All right, football frenzy time. <laughs> Yeah, 24 7 Sports put out college football bowl projections for the 2022 season. Uh, Looking through the list of uh, bowl projections, Las Vegas bowl, which this year we have SEC against Pac 12. Would you be fired up for Ole Miss Washington?
2: Well, I don't know how to. That's
1: a no. That's a no. Just say no.
2: No, no. I'm not saying no because. It's the SEC. We've never really had the only time I've seen an SEC team come here for the Las Vegas Bowl is when uh, Arkansas came, I believe, right? They played UNLV years ago. Jason Thomas was the quarterback. So I mean, it, it's it's an intriguing matchup. It's, it's 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 it is the SEC. It depends on. I mean, is Mississippi? It's where are they going to fall in line in the in the conference? But I I'm not against it. It's not it's not sexy. It's not, you know, the the headline matchup that that everybody loves to kind of have cuz it's Las Vegas, but it's in Allegiant. I know what they pulled off last year and I wouldn't be so much opposed to the fact that it's it's big time. This is, you know, and and our guy John Cassenti puts on a good show. So, I'm not necessarily it's it's like I said, it's not the sexy matchup you think of when you hear the SEC is coming to the Las Vegas Bowl, but hey, old miss. I mean, that's 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 pretty big. Lane, Lane
1: Kevin's interesting. And if they're in a position to go to the bowl game, then I'd they'll be more have turned out, to be, have turned out be to be they'll have turned out to be they'll have turned out to be pretty good because of Jackson Dart, the transfer from USC. What were we going to say, Willie?
2: I would probably be more interested in seeing Ole Miss than I probably would be Washington. I probably want a different Pac-12 team. I don't know. I mean,
1: I agree. That's why I said, are you I wasn't just talking about the SEC team. So the projection is Ole Miss and Washington. The Final Four, according to 24-7, and again, this is a long-range prediction on next year's college football season. Final Four would have Georgia, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Alabama And it. Notre Dame in the Final Four. Just outside the next, uh, what, three big bowl games. Check that, four big bowl games. Uh, the teams involved would be Clemson, Wisconsin, Houston, Miami, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, Michigan, and USC. How is Notre Dame going to get to
2: a Well, how are they going to get to a semifinal when UNLV is going to go into South Bend and win?
1: <laughs> well, that that will that will change everything. <laughs> you you when you said this over you, you aren't serious. Were you irked that a UNLV I, program coming off two wins is not in a bowl game?
2: Yes, because I've been saying and I'm not the only one because half the media members And I don't remember what you predicted, but how many people have said, hey, this is the year. He he better lead this team to a bowl game. This is the year that they better win six games and become bowl eligible. So that tells me that there are media members that if you're saying that and you don't think he can do it, then you just don't like Marcus Arroyo. Or you're saying it because you think he can do it. Now, you and I, when they released the schedule, we went over it one day, and I said six or seven wins are attainable, but there was early games that were very important. And and it could trigger either a, a motivational run or a downward spiral, and I think that they could pull it off. But the five Mountain West teams that they have projected are Boise State, San Jose State, San Diego State, Air Force, and Fresno State. San Jose State skyrocketed two years ago and then just plummeted last year. Now all of a sudden they're back to being good enough to get to the Idaho Potato Bowl, but UNLV, which showed grit and fight in so many losses last year, can't get the respect to get to a bowl game over San Jose State? I disagree. I disagree. I'm okay. dead serious that I think that the Rebels – and don't tell me, well, we don't know what's going on with the quarterback. Marcus Arroyo is not obligated to tell you or me or Mark Wallington or anybody else who his quarterback is to, to reveal his hand. In, in April – I was going to say March – in April, calm down on the quarterback talk. I'm sure that Marcus Arroyo has an idea who his number one should be, but he still doesn't have to tell us. You know when? Till two days or a day before the damn first game of the season. It'll be, so let's it'll settle be down it, on the quarterback it'll, talk.
1: It'll be it might be day of.
2: Well, then that's fine. Yeah. But that's his prerogative. How many uh, uh, is every other Division I team and beat writers are they are they clowning on the coach if they don't know who the starting quarterback is or they're not announcing it? Are, Why you, is making, are,
1: are, are you are you making this up? Who has been clowning on him? That he doesn't know who the I know. I'm being, be. I'm being, I'm
2: being, I'm okay. sort of just, nobody has really. Like, I don't think I've seen anyone, I'm, 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 anyone with I'm, any I'm common sense.
1: Ahead. He just brought in a new quarterback to get in the mix amongst, you know, a three headed monster. Um, I also, first of all, he doesn't know. Got to give Harrison Bailey right. a chance right. to compete. Right. Yes. Doug Grumfield yes. was not healthy last year. So is he healthy in spring? What will he look like in the fall? And is Cam Friel going to make the next step? And, the other reason, unless I had freaking, you know, Jake Hayner at Fresno, unless you have a clear-cut guy coming off of two or three years, if I've had any kind of battle at quarterback, I'm not naming my starting quarterback when I've got three options in the spring because I'm not losing one of them to the transfer portal. That That's two. the game now, too. That, too. That, that's a that's a very vital, that's a that, that's the most important
2: point of all points in spring is not even to let on like if there's a race not even to say well here's who right now who's heres leading here's this because you don't want to lose anybody and them' going well screw it I'm just gonna get in the portal and leave so that's a that's a fantastic point and probably the most important one in spring you don't let on to know who's winning the race and who who comes out of spring is the number one because you don't want anybody leaving because they they will because that's the mindset of the kids these days. So, Coming up and, next, and, is, so, uh,
1: is Russell Wilson only with Ciara? Going to disappoint Broncos fans. I'm sure they're big backers now of uh, the Russ bot. Is he only getting this done because he's got money? Because uh, there's another former NFLer saying Russell is a freaking nerd.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas.
3: I mean, we're playing for a national championship. We, you know, One of the things that these guys have done a really good job at is celebrating a win but also putting that aside and focusing on the tasks ahead of us. These guys have been fantastic. I want them to celebrate tonight.
0: Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. Studio. studio.
1: Battle game coming up a little after 6 o'clock right here on ESPN Las Vegas. They're the voice of... Hubert Davis, North Carolina head coach, as Carolina is a four-point dog against Kansas. Willie, the totals tick down just a little bit.
2: Yeah, it's 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 somewhat of a sharp play. Um, my numbers came out where it should be. I had six points lower the final uh, projected after four other projected finals averaged them out. So it's it's. Down from 152 to 151 and 151 and a half at most places. Westgate still has a 152. A couple other places down to 151. Like I said, one place is still at 152 and a half. But it's starting to get play as I'm looking at live lines and updates being moved. And then the line is steady with Kansas minus four.
1: I have a question for you. First of all, are you on the guy team or not? Or do you look at couples and, and do you get like judgmental against guys? Go why why is that guy with her? How did she how did she pick him? What a travesty he is. I often wonder what goes through the minds of dudes who worry about who women who are with almost in a jealous fashion. So where are you? Are you one that will criticize relationships and go that guy doesn't deserve her?
2: No. Well, I don't even pay attention cuz it's none of my business and Who's to say who's to, who's tastes or what? Um, you know, I mean, nobody, everybody to each its own. Everybody's happy with with the certain. Somebody belongs in somebody's life. At some point, you settle down. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, some people just run the streets and do what they want to do, and they're footloose and fancy free, and that's what they want to do. But when it comes down to family and husband and wife and families and 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 life partners. To each its own, man. Be happy. That's. I mean, I don't. I don't judge anybody. I don't. Who am I? Like who, Ari. Who, on my question is, what? Who am I to question? That. That's the whole thing. Who am right. I to question?
1: Ari, in and around Lotus, uh, past and present. Uh, which guy have you looked at and gone? You know what? He doesn't deserve her.
4: I don't do that either. Yes, you do. Okay.
1: <laughs> You've never thought that in your life.
4: No, I'm not really. Maybe as a younger guy, immature, and yeah, I've grown a long from that, like a long way from that.
1: I mean, I'll be on, I'll be what? honest. There's there's two people where that came to mind. Uh, one, when you and your ex wife came to a holiday party, I was like, yeah, wow, exactly. she's pretty hot. Did Ari just? How did this happen? Um, second time, and I mean this nice because I actually relate to this, right? Second time is and i hope she's listening and if or someone someone's gonna understand this when they relay it because i think she's gonna understand it our old salesperson linda right like outgoing lady really fun well her husband jim is super quiet and he always looks like he's grumpy now here's the thing i think i come off that way with the so like i can i can look unapproachable everyone knows i'm a wild man and very affable and very friendly uh but like I feel like I could be in that position where the SO's friends are like this every time we're around him, he's, he's you know, he looks like he's mad. You know, we come over to the house, he's running around like uh, you know, Julia Child, he's a freaking lunatic. Like so those things can happen. Now they've these people have been around me, so we're passing a little bit of judgment, right? Or, you know, in the in the case of Jim and Linda, and I really like both of them, and I like Jim a lot. Um People make that judgment. I wonder if Channing Crowder, the former Dolphin who does radio in Miami, has actually been around and seen them interact with each other. What I'm talking about is Russell Wilson and Ciara. Because he went on a podcast the other day, The Pivot. Is it his own podcast? I don't know. But he kind of went in on Russell Wilson, and he's like, this guy's a dork.
3: Yeah, if Russell ain't had that bread, Sarah ain't going to be with him. <laughs>
1: Russell Square. Yeah, r- 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 Russell Square. square. Russell the Square. Thing Sierra, Sierra had a—she she has a good situation, but she was you don't a, leave Future and get a, with Russell Wilson. The, the thing is, I the, think that's what you you're You don't leave though. Future and get Russell We're Wilson. In, like, in it's, a, it's a type. When you have, so
0: damn Square, and I love him on the field. He's this. a Square.
1: Okay, first of all, what is, what is a Square? What do you think is a Square, Willie? Uh— but well, Willie I, I is guess. uncomfortable with this conversation, I, I, is he? All right, you got to take over, man. No, You're I guess the, it's some.
2: I, I mean, what is a square? Because I, I don't want to offend listeners. I mean, these days you 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 start labeling people, and all of a sudden it's cancel Willie. A square? Offend <laughs> listeners? What, is are talk, what are you talking about?
1: There are people out there. I would. I don't use the word square. I would say that person seems like a stiff. Why would someone want to be around them? They're not entertaining. They don't look like they're fun. They look like they're a pain in the ass. Okay, I'm not because you wanna, because I'm not because he watch to the show. But th- okay, that because- guy is a friggin' stiff. How how is how how did he get her? You know, unless he went to another country and you know paid for it. Like how did that happen? Well, the
2: comparison is going from future to Russell Wilson. So future is an entertainer who probably is going to all the parties. You know what I mean? Not that Russell Wilson isn't capable of going to those parties, but you know, he's out on tour, so there's after parties, they're going to the clubs, they're doing club party, they're doing club concerts, they're doing coming to Vegas, doing the the day clubs, whatever it is, and it's a party scene. And then you go to Russell Wilson, who during the offseason. Doesn't want to be out and about, and he maybe wants to be a family man and stay home. And so, if that's a square, or going on vacations to quiet, remote islands, or you know, or vacation spots where it's you know it's somewhat private. You know, I don't know where they where the heck they go, or maybe they're just going to Seattle's. But I don't know. I'm just naming places here, but I guess that would be the difference: is going from a music mogul who's going to go to lots of parties and 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 the and the, like I said. To, places like the day clubs in Las Vegas or other places compared to a guy who, you know, Russell Wilson, who spent March following his sister to support Anna with Stanford all the way through to the national semifinals and sitting uh, behind the bench and cheering on. And he's a family guy. If a family guy is being a square and a stiff well, sign me up for the square stiff side.
1: Right. Okay. Uh, so nice guy versus uh wild guy. Um, if, If Ari was telling people around the building, you know what, I'll tell you the big squares on Cofield and Company are Willie and Candy. (laughs) Willie and Candy are the squares on the show, Willie. Would you be insulted?
2: No, I am a square.
1: Okay. But as big as Candy?
2: Candy? I don't know what Candy. I don't know what Candy does. I'm not even friends. I mean, I'm not gonna say like I'm not, not anything, friends. With I'm not friends. I'm not friends with Candy. I don't know if I don't talk to Candy off the air, whatever. I mean, we communicate. We've texted and everything, but I don't hang out with Adam Candy. I just know that he's he's you know he's been in the media business. He's well respected around town. He's a good dude. He's a referee. He went to Gorman. He's a good dude. But
1: no late. No one loves. I'm not gonna the, ladies, the, the ladies love referees. They love referees. So, so he's good.
2: LL So he's LL Cool C.
1: Okay. Ladies
2: love cool uh, cool All right. candy.
1: All
2: right. And the only thing I dislike about candy is the fact that he can't run the 40 like me. Hmm. But you well, never accepted right. that right. challenge right. for
1: him. Right now he can. Your knee's blown up. Um, I could beat him with a bum knee.
2: That came up last week, by the way. Adam said that I could beat you. Adam Hill with the bum knee. Let's
4: make a bet here. A,
2: a squat off? No. He said that we were talking about racing and could oh. could I beat somebody in a 40? Anyway, I, I'll Even take that. That's cool. I'm a square. What am I? I mean, hey, I have my heyday in this town. There was once a time when I was future, oh, yeah. and now I'm Russell Wilson.
1: Oh, wow. Okay, so you so you got the difference. Okay.
2: Well, sure, but they'd have to turn into the late-night podcast to hear those stories. We can't do them on the air.
1: So is Ciara, air. but to his point, is Ciara only with Russell Wilson because of his money or really because he's just different? Ciara than doesn't the have her own career. money.
2: Sierra doesn't have her own money.
1: Maybe not Russell Wilson money.
2: <sighs> Come on, I'm not. I'm not listening to this. This dude's looking for attention. He's looking for clicks. It's like clickbait, but it, with the, with the podcast. He's just looking for attention. I'm not buying into any of that. See, I mean, Sierra could go if if Sierra think about it. If Sierra wanted to be with somebody else, you're not telling me that she couldn't be with someone else with with. I mean, equal power financially or you know, or social status. They're in love, period, and yeah. a story.
1: She could pull a Jada and get entangled.
2: No, I don't know about Russell Wilson. Uh, I'm not. I'm not
1: going there. I'm not going there. Damn, he's very. He's very worried about. I'm just not Wilson. going there with
2: that one. I mean, I mean, because I don't think that the, I think the Will Smith got got some some issues he needs to deal with. Yes, some marital issues he needs to deal with. I don't think Russell Wilson's got issues he needs to deal with. I think Russell Wilson stands on his own team feet, does what he wants to do when he wants to do it, because he's happily married and they're comfortable in a closed relationship that respects one
1: another. All right, what do you have to say about Shannon Crowder calling Russell Wilson a square? Uh, that that seems- future future is Ciara's type. Seems like if I'm
4: being nice, maybe he's uh, just good buddies with future. But if I'm being realistic... Seems like he's got some really 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 little insecurity.
1: You said he's got small weenie energy.
4: Yeah, that's that's what Whoa. this is to me. Like okay. you made the joke about me having an attractive ex, that's different. But like to actually go and attack like someone's <laughs> like. I basically did the same thing. No, you didn't. You it's different to me. You didn't go on a podcast also. You're just busting my chops. You also complimented her first that she's attractive and you then didn't made a joke go on to- a
1: podcast. I did it to your face, is that what you're saying?
4: Yeah, and you've met her. Like, it just seems like, like you started this whole conversation. Like, do you get involved in someone else's thing? Do you
1: even care? And we're all like, no. All right, I'm, let me explain. That's where I'm at. Like, like I, I, right. I I don't care. And I think everyone on the show is lying, but that's fine if you guys want to. Okay, you guys want to present really. yourselves that you never think about others' relationships. I've been ever. there.
4: I'm the guy. I'm the guy that you would look at and be like, how come he's with her? And I'm not even you putting just, myself okay, out see, up This there. is how you treat people. I'm just saying, words, I never oh, cared on either side.
2: This is how you twist people's words, take, take it out of context. Yes, you did. Listen, you said but, – but you furthered the whole – think of other relationships in a judgmental manner is how you brought, presented it to us. If you're just saying, don't think about other people's relationships, but in reality, I don't have time to think about other people's relationships. Now, if I'm scanning through stories or looking at the internet and then all of a sudden I go, oh, and then go, oh, wait a minute, whatever. Like we have a topic coming up talking about a couple because I have a positive opinion on it. So if that's what you'd mean, then yeah, of course we all think about, but to judge people, absolutely not. Cause I could care less or couldn't care less. Excuse me. No. But Ari, let me explain something to you about people that say, first of all, two parts to people that go, well, here's a a beautiful, attractive woman. How could Ari? First of all, that's a compliment in saying because you're with someone who's beautiful. Second, they're wondering if he could pull it off, how the heck can I? Because they feel that they are just as unattractive to you. So when Steve said that (laughs) at all at party, he's wondering (laughs) how the heck couldn't he pull that either? Or how could he not do it? But you could.
1: There you go, Steve. Well, we've set up our uh, our daily path to the draft. We're going to preview the NFL draft throughout the month and have on a local media member or former player for each team. So this week we're going to count down from uh, the back end of the draft. We'll skip 32. We'll do 31 tomorrow with the Bengals. So when we get to the Dolphins, I guess uh, someone's got to book Channing Crowder, huh? Ari, got to get Channing Crowder on. Asking him if he's got some small D energy, all right? Right to his face, on the phone.
0: More of Cofield and Company is on the way. Live in the Finley Toyota Studios.
3: It means everything to me. I, I couldn't do it without my guys and, and my coaches. And so um, I give all my credit to them. Uh, they put me in position, and, you know, it was a team effort. And so uh, just one game away from a national championship, what else can you say?
0: Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio.
1: Willie, did you watch the women's title game yesterday? By the way, Caleb Love, North Carolina, national title game coming up here, in North Carolina and Kansas on ESPN Las Vegas. Did you watch the women's game? I
2: did. I watched the Bird and Tarasi show. I watched it. I watched it Friday and I watched it yesterday.
1: You watched the whole broadcast?
2: Uh, Friday I did not watch the whole broadcast. I can't remember what I was doing, but I jumped in and then yesterday, yeah. Yeah, I watched them. I was bouncing back and forth, I will say I was bouncing back and forth from the Golden Knights game. But for the most part I was tuned into the women's championship until it was over.
1: What did you think of the game?
2: I thought it went down the way that I thought it I, I thought it went the way that I thought. That did I
1: you, so you, you, you bet South Carolina. I had South Carolina minus, winning, minus yeah. Four, minus four and a half.
2: I like South Carolina. Well, I just, I didn't bet it, but I mean, in terms of just the following women's basketball, um, covering the Pac 12 tournament, obviously following Stanford the way that I have, um, I thought that once these two teams got to, I was really hoping for a South Carolina Stanford final just because it was 1 2 all, most of the year. South Carolina lost toward the end and Stanford didn't get to move up. South Carolina, they kept South Carolina, and I thought that that might have been a little bit of a slight, but, um, based off the way UConn played them, they deserved to win. And they they really took them out of their game to advance to the championship. And But I thought South Carolina was gonna win because I thought that they're a better team. And I think that you have, the way that I tried to explain it to, to somebody is that Dawn Staley was coached by someone old school uh, when she was at Virginia. And she's an old, she has an old school pedigree, but she coaches with a new school mentality this era of player so she knows how to sort of play where Oriyama is in his ways and I think that she knows how to coach against and what to expect and and you know they they have some talent but I just felt that South Carolina's depth and I thought that the, their defense was exceptional so I I just I I felt that South Carolina was going to win
1: What do you think of Gino at this point in his career Gino Oriyama You just mentioned his Honestly? Him being stuck in his ways. I I find the way that ESPN covers him and the media that covers women's basketball, I find it fascinating because I just don't know that he would exist well in other sports to get more coverage. He's He's a fascinating character to the point where before the game, he's coming off whiny and Like, I can deal with it a little bit, you know, us against the world. You know, that team is really, really good. But he was also almost like making excuses before the game. They get off to a crappy start after the first quarter. He's interviewed by uh, Holly Rowe, and he does kind of the same thing like this, you know, we're screwed. And I'm just thinking, if this were another sport and a coach, because they did go through a little adversity this year. Paige Beckers went down for like 15 games. All right, they lost their best player, but. On his team, I was looking back at his recruiting classes with the woe is me stuff. 2021 class, he had the number one player, the number five, the number 15, the number 30. 2020, he got the number one player in the country, number 25, number 23. He got a transfer in who was a number two player in the country in uh, 2017. He got the number one player in 2018 like you – your team is full of all top 25 players and we're going to sit here and, and listen to the coach whining that it like almost like his team is undermanned. Like I just, I don't, I think that would be laughed at when covering other sports. And yet it just tolerated a women's basketball. I, I don't, I don't get it. Like dude, you, you, you get all the good when you win, when maybe you're not on top of the mountain and South Carolina is better I don't want to hear that you're somehow short-handed. Like, who buys this? Is Coach Ariyama,
2: Coach A, like Coach K in women's? I mean, are they in terms of mentality and old school, right? And and I don't, I don't, I don't and- remember,
1: I don't remember Coach K ever coming off and saying we're undermanned, like we don't have the goods to compete. It's laughable. If you recruit as a top-five program in the country, and Duke certainly did all the way until the end, and UConn is a top-two program. I just read you the list. They get they every year, nearly every year, they get the number one or two player in the country followed up by two or three more top-25 players. Like, Gino, we ain't buying this, dude. We're not buying it. All right, up next, let's get to uh, the Final Four. Check that. We'll go back to the Final Four and look ahead to the title game, and we'll reminisce a little bit about... 1991. Yeah, I know it's a sucky time because that was when Duke actually pulled the upset on UNLV. But in, in some ways that Final Four mirrors a little bit of this with all the blue bloods in it. And, uh, you know, with Duke and Kansas and North Carolina in the Final Four, along with UNLV and Everett Cray is on the way.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN
3: Las Vegas. I love when Hubert Davis was asked, can you guys get back up for this When You were celebrating and mm-hmm. you are pretty hyped because it's what it's about. These are 18- and 22-year-old kids. They'll be ready for the moment. They always have. I trust them. I want them to celebrate, flush it out, and we'll be ready for Monday. You don't need to get up for a national championship. I like the mentality. Yeah.
5: These dudes are, are coming into this thing. They're just hooping.
0: Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. Studio.
1: studio. Jordan Cornett, former Notre Dame player and ESPN Broadcaster currently on radio and TV talking about North Carolina and focus for the game tonight after the emotional victory against rival Duke and knocking Coach K out of his career, essentially ending Coach K's run with Duke in college basketball. This got me thinking when I saw the Blue Bloods and you know Duke and North Carolina and Kansas got me thinking of the. Final Four with UNLV involved, so we wanted to reach out to one of the former Running Rebels, and Everett Gray is up on the phone with Steve and Willie here in Vegas. How are you, sir?
5: I am good. Just got back from Omaha, Nebraska. Lovely place. (laughs) But um, I'm here here talking to you guys.
2: Well, well, people go there for the College World Series or an AAU tournament, so which it couldn't have been the College World Series.
5: It was an AAU tournament, and they it it uh, it, 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 it do a good job. And, and uh, Omaha is very different from where I'm from.
2: So, Everett, it's been a long time, man. I just shot done showing Steve a picture from the, my days with the Las Vegas Sentinel voice and, and covering especially mm-hmm. that 91-92 team. And so let's just start there. Is And you were mm-hmm. part of the, the 91 team that lost to Duke. So is, is there still – because I know in Las Vegas I put a tweet out, and there were a lot of happy folks – for a player, is it was it is it still a feel of joy to watch what you watch Saturday and see Coach K's career end in the national semis rather than the championship?
5: Well, you know, I'm not a hater. You know what I mean? I don't really hate Duke, but um, I just don't like him. But the thing is that, um, you know, the thing is the problem. It's not a problem. It's just like uh, Coach K's. Coach K's last year was like similar to you know Tarch last year, which was my junior year. And even though we couldn't play for you know to go to the tournament because we we're on probation, but we wanted to go. We wanted to win every every game, and that was our kind of deal um, for um, Coach Tark. And you know, obviously, we lost two games that I think we were twenty-eight and two, um, and we we're in the top five that year. But we couldn't go to the tournament. But I get the pressure for those kids um, playing, you know, for uh, Coach for Coach K in his last year, and I, I know it was pretty tough for some you know 19 year old because most of those kids are five-star kids so they're one and done kids and maybe a couple of sophomore kids that's gonna leave and I think the the oldest kid they have is that um, theo John's kid I think he's a senior so but you know it's I know it's a lot of pressure for them I think they had a really good season considering what they were what they're up against uh, making it just making it to the final four with a bunch of 18 19 year old kids I think uh, was a good season for them and and um, competing against Coach K uh, and being around that era, uh, it was pretty cool too. But I think he uh, went out considerably, and like with this portal and all this stuff, with those guys, uh, with playing against older kids, I think they had a really good season. Yeah, that uh,
2: that team you spoke of, twenty six and two, the only losses to Rutgers in Missouri, which was ranked twenty first, had a win. Burn, an Auburn team that mm-hmm. include Wesley Person, Aaron Swinson, um, mm-hmm. about that 91-92 team. So 18-0 in the Big West, 26-2, mm-hmm. and the picture I showed Steve was walking back from the courthouse that night, the <laughs> entire team and the media members, we were all walking back together after the after sitting in Donald Mosley's room, and it was almost right. like you could just see even the look, I think Reggie's in the picture of Jr. Mm-hmm. Gerg, mm-hmm. Everything just deflated. How bad yeah. did you all want to just? Uh, well, you already said that. How bad you wanted to get in there, but how to turn? Mm-hmm. How much do you think that that team could have sort of carried a torch, and and how far mm-hmm. do you think it could have gone? Because that was a talented team. You, Dexter yeah. Boney, Jr., Elmore Spencer.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought I thought we could have won. You know, every time I watched Leitner and that, you know, that shot against Kentucky. And we always we sit back and talk about that sometimes because we had all the pieces that year. Um, we had two good point guards. We had D. Don Thomas and H. Wallman. Um, and obviously we had some scoring. And J.R. was our best player um, by far. And Elmore was an NBA lottery pick. I think he just out of, out of the lottery. But I think we had all the pieces. I remember that night um, we had a few cocktails. I can actually tell you that. We had a few cocktails before we went into the court. And people don't realize Mills Lane was the judge. Um, he was the judge that night, and um, we we really wanted to try to get into the tournament. And I don't know if you remember the, the Big West tournament told, told us that we couldn't go like at the last minute yeah. because they didn't want to take a they didn't want to take a bid away from another team. Um, so we couldn't go to the Big West tournament. That would have been another two or three games added on to our record. But I, we really wanted to do it for Targ. You can you can see the uh, you can see the frustration in his face. Um, when it got a little bit closer toward the end,
3: because he didn't want
5: right. to leave.
1: Everett Gray up on Cofield and Company on um, this Monday. We're getting ready for a title game tonight between Kansas and North Carolina. When you look back, how how good as an all time team do you think that Duke team was?
5: I thought it was. A, I thought it was a really good team. Are you talking about the first year they won it? The year they beat us, they were a good team. I mean, you know, people ask me. I do a lot of shows, um, especially around the tournament time. I do a lot of shows, and, and then people say, what's the difference between from 90 to 91? I'm like, they had Grant Hill, and Grant Hill was a really good freshman, and he was really good, and um, we just didn't play well. Uh, I felt that team learned a lot from that that um, butt kick and they took in 90, my year I was sitting out, until this year. It was that year. So they, I think they learned a lot. From that, and um, you know, and having Grant Hill helped them a lot. Um, I, me personally, I think about it every time around tournament time. Is when um, the thing that I think about if Greg didn't foul out, I think we would have beat them. But you know, he fouled out, and it is what it is.
2: So, uh, and that's the exact question I wanted to ask you: is, is so much is put on that play, and he mm-hmm. he, he charged, he's 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 fouls out, but. You know, y'all took the lead, and then and then I, I hate to bring this up, but it was your foul that set the got the free throws, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. L.J. comes down and he opts to, to dish to Anderson, and and the rest mm-hmm. is history. Um, what? Is it really fall on that one play? I mean, you can say yeah, we you know we could have, but there's so much more. It was that close that other components mm-hmm. of the game could have been done. And do you think L.J. should have taken the last shot?
5: Um. I mean, it, 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 hindsight is twenty-twenty. You know, hindsight is different now. Everybody is—you can look at it a little bit different. I remember the options we had in it. Obviously, Larry was number two. Anderson was uh, I mean, number one, sorry, and Anderson was number two. But um, it was just the foul. The crazy part about this—I'm going to tell you a story. I saw the referee in the airport one day. Maybe ten years after, I was flying somewhere, and he was like, "I made a mistake. I should have made that I should have made that call." But it wasn't really? a foul when I fouled Leitner. It was—I don't think it was a foul. We just both reached for the ball, and our hands touched. And they said I went over his back, which was ridiculous. But um, but the thing is that to draw it up again, will Larry take that shot? I think they defended it pretty well. And then Anderson, and then Larry threw him a grenade, and he had to shoot it up. Um, and you know, obviously Anderson missed it. But um, it was a couple situations that went wrong. Um, if if Greg didn't foul out. I think we had a good shot, but you know it is what it is now. Leitner and those guys won, and they moved on and beat um and beat. I think they beat Kansas in the finals. They beat, yeah, they beat, they beat Kansas.
1: Ever Gray's with us, former uh, running rebel. So you know you you watch a lot of basketball. You're around the scene now. We were actually we were drawing a comparison at the beginning of the tournament, even to the middle of the tournament. The kind of the pressure on the mid major to mm-hmm. you know back up what they did in the regular season. We were comparing the run recently by Gonzaga to what. Tark did, you know, for a lot longer, but what well, do you think in terms of comparing, you know, what an outsider of sorts, you know, making a run and really becoming a power for like 10, 15, 20 years, Gonzaga is not there yet, but they're on their way.
5: Yeah. It, the problem with Gonzaga, they just ran, they, they ran into some bad match They've into some bad, um, uh, some matchups, um, playing against the, the thing is that with the portal now, it makes it way different because. You can get five, you know, five fifth-year guys, COVID seniors, and if you can get four or five of those guys together, you can win. You can win anywhere. So I think Gonzaga. I think the competition for Gonzaga sometimes it catches up with them. Uh, they only play a few. They play BYU, St. Mary's, maybe Santa Clara here and there. And, and when you uh, up against SEC teams, big, um, big can. Uh, and those guys are in in wars, you know, every game in their in their conference. So I think that kind of wore him down a little bit. And the big kid, Chad Conrum, he's built like a supermodel, you know that. But once he put on a little little weight and learned how to play physical, that's going to be great for him at the next level. But uh, when you're playing against six or seven guys like that in college, they're going to just going to wear you down, and uh, and that was a problem for them. Um, you know, people compare Gonzaga to UNLV a little bit. Um, I think we're a little bit different than them. Um, our conferences are pretty much the same. We only had a few good, tough games we were in, in, in school. But um, going forward, if they can, Coach Few can keep this up, I think um, eventually he'll win one. And, um, and me personally, I don't think Gonzaga is, is a mid-major because they actually play people in the preseason, just like with Coach Tark. Did. We actually played people. They actually played against uh, really good teams in the preseason. And they actually hold their own. I mean, you got to realize they went to the Final Four last year and lost. And they've been there, you know, maybe uh, three or four, three or three out of the last six years in the Final Four. So, do I can consider them a a, uh, a mid-major? I don't know, man. They're in, they're, in a, they're at the top of the uh, top of the food chain every year, especially when it comes to recruiting.
1: We we can wrap on this. We were talking about. Coach K and people banging on him, almost like he, you know, he he underachieved. He had players all those years. He didn't win enough championships. I mean, Bill Self has been at Kansas now for nineteen years. He's got one, and somehow that's a bad thing. Like you guys proved with one of the greatest teams of all time here at UNLV that these things are hard. It is hard to win a championship, you know, let alone four, or five, or six.
5: Right. Well, it takes a everything has to line up. I mean, it it could be it could be who's in your bracket. Um, you know what scared me was Georgetown. You know that scared me a little bit when we played him in the second round in Arizona. Um, but it just it, it just matchups sometimes happen. And now with this portal stuff, it's it's just different, man. Because you can you can be really good um, in the portal real quick, and you're playing against grown men that's been there for three or four years. So I mean, I think Coach K is great. He did a great job. Um, winning five, I think he won five. Right, he won, and, five. Um, he won five out of thirteen. Yeah, Final four, yeah, five out of thirteen. It's it's tough. It's just, <laughs> yes. I mean, Dan Marino went to the he went to the he went to the Super Bowl his rookie year, and never went back. And I think Dan Marino is one of the top quarterbacks ever in the history. So it's hard to get back to the finals and actually win it. It's just tough. It has, everything has to line up uh, perfectly for um, for schools to win it.
1: Everett, thanks for giving us a couple minutes. Uh, glad you're doing well, and let's definitely get you on again.
5: Thank you, guys. There he thanks, is. You.
1: Part of the runner Rebels. That was a crazy era, and we'll uh, we'll reminisce more down the road. But, uh, yeah, it got me thinking about that uh, Final Four with uh, Kansas and Duke and and North Carolina and UNLV. With Kansas and North Carolina on the way, we'll get some uh, leans and likes. Also, some takes on the baseball season. And, of course, uh, some NBA with uh, excellent gambling NBA insider. John Von Tobel from VEASAN.
0: Stick around. Cofield & Company returns in minutes in the Finley Toyota Studios. It's a three-on-one. so with Carlson and Theodore. so to the middle. Theodore scores! Vegas in overtime. Shea Theodore wins it for Vegas. The Knots defeat the Canucks 3-2. Three, three goals in three games for Shea Theodore. They've won five in a row.
1: Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. studio. Golden Knights coming up. Clutch, overtime victory. Can't get one point in these spots. Got to get two, so they're inching closer, I'll say, to being in the mix. Again, the problem is their competition for the wild card still has uh, three games in hand. So, we're tracking that as another busy week for the Golden Knights is on the way. Busy week of NBA, Masters, title game tonight in the NCAA. We turn to John Von Tobel from v for some lean, some likes, some angles. What's up, John?
3: Nothing much, guys. I was breaking down the granny basketball thing. Uh, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. So, right now,
1: uh, looks like Kansas has 50%, uh, 57% of the cash, 62% of the tickets. The number is 4, minus 115 in some spots. So, Carolina is the dog. The total, 151, 151.5, 152. So, what do you got on this one?
3: Yeah, I think so. First off, it does seem like Kansas is probably going to be like the, I guess you'll call it like a slightly public side. And you see this time to time, too. Ken Palm has it projected as a a six-point win for Kansas, so the number is a little off market. There's a lot of people who put a lot of stock into those numbers. So you'll probably see that by the time we get to close uh, in, what, two and a half hours, that it's probably going to skew toward Kansas when we get there. And the public generally likes that, too. Personally, you know, I so I've got a ticket on Kansas at 14 to one to win the title. So I'm going to take four with North Carolina and just sit back and watch this unfold. Hope I can get a middle um, in it. But I also kind of like Carolina's chances here. I mean, if you look at some of the numbers, a slight edge in terms of rebounding for North Carolina on the season long numbers, what they've been able to do on the glass throughout this tournament. Has been incredible. You know, I got to listen in on the interview just now, and you guys were talking about like the draw, right? And I think you can't deny that North Carolina got a favorable draw, but they took advantage of it, and they've been killing smaller teams on the glass. And like the offensive rebounding for them has been insane. Armando Baycott, for example, he had, he's had eight offensive rebounds in three consecutive games, and I think that really works in their favor here. So I kind of like North Carolina here. So I, I took them four because I got that middle opportunity, but I ultimately do think that's kind of the side I'm leaning anyway, even if I didn't. What
1: do you think of uh, Duke and the coaching, Coach K, in the loss against Carolina in the Final Four?
3: I mean, I like, I like Duke's players. I like a lot of what they bring out there, like in terms of skill set, and I can't wait to see how some of their talent translates uh, to the NBA. But, you know, I think I'm not – Saying anything when it, like shocking when I talk to you guys about like when I watch them play offensively, it's just pretty simplistic. It's like, let's get our best athletes the ball and see what they can do uh, kind of on their own. I think in crunch time situations, there's not a lot of ball movement. It gets a little stagnant. And the game's against Texas Tech, right? Where Roach is going nuts and he's hitting turn away, step back, you know, to, uh, mid-range jumpers from the elbow. That stuff's working and it looks great uh, but then when you kind of bog down at crunch time and you can't get those clutch buckets then it ultimately ends up in you losing in some of these big situations which we've seen happen from duke time to time and i think we saw it in that game so i think it was kind of just like a ho-hum coach k performance it's, it's exactly what he's been throughout his entire career is that i don't yeah, know if that's i do am am not have a lot to say that
1: <laughs> i've spoken about this throughout the show that i thought bank disappeared yep. in the final eight minutes um, and I don't know if that's on the coach or the kid, but he was so destroying Brady manic. Like it was laughable, I mean, laugh, laughable. And then
3: all the aggression in his game went bye-bye and other guys are taking shots. No, I agree. Like, I think if you're going to be a top three pick top, I mean, maybe even the first overall pick. You know, I think one, you probably get a little bit more aggressive, but I also think two, if you're the guy who's calling the shots and Coach K, you're drawing almost everything up for him, right? Like you're, you're running play after play to get your guy the ball and to get things going. Not, and by the way, really
1: um, by the way, he's not Baycott, so this isn't like, yeah. hey, we can't feed him in the post. Give him the ball at midcourt. Have him bring it up. Yep, there is not, there is no ball denial on a six nine, six ten guy who
3: at, at the collegiate level who has. You know, two guard skills, get him the ball. I completely agree. And just think about how he had been playing going into that game, right? I think he'd been averaging 18 and 7 on 51% shooting. So it's not like he had had trouble in the NCAA tournament. He had been doing whatever he wanted. He looked every bit like the NBA pro that he's going to be at the next level. So I was surprised by that. I was surprised at the fact that the ball was in the hands of the others and not the guy who can score at all three levels of the court and can make whatever shot he wanted, essentially, especially against other collegiate athletes. You know, you're going to be facing much better competition, obviously, next season. But, yeah, I was surprised by that. And this is coming from somebody, too, that did lay it with Duke. Uh, I laid uh, three-and-a-half over at BetMGM thinking that they would have the advantage there, especially with a guy like Vancaro, and that ultimately didn't work out.
2: JVT, you mentioned Ken Palm's numbers in in producing a six-point winner. When I ran the numbers right when the two semis were done, I I had it 74-70, so it came right out on the four with Kansas. But what was glaring was the under, eight points to the under and if you look at what Kansas has done defensively improving especially on a neutral court um, it made a lot of sense to me what do you have on the total what do you like or do you have an opinion on I
3: I agree with your sentiment about Kansas you know I thought actually I played that Villanova game under the total Willie because I I thought that that was going to be one where Villanova is going to want to slow it down and Kansas had gone into that game uh, it was eight out of nine opponents that they had held to under a point per possession and the other opponent was Creighton who had an offensive rating of 102 which still isn't even that great so Uh, I think Kansas and what they've been able to do defensively has been tremendous, but I do think both teams want to run and get up and down the floor. You know, North Carolina has shown that. Kansas clearly showed that. And and by the way, too, can you just say that Villanova game, because I bet that under, that had 58 possessions in that game, and they scored 81 points. Like It was insane how efficient Kansas' offense was. But, Willie, to your point, like I think this is actually going to be a higher-scoring game. I think both teams want to run. We've seen Kansas, when they've looked most efficient, it's when they're out in transition. I don't really love them in half-court situations. And I think the same could be said for a, a really wildly athletic North Carolina team that wants to get the ball sprint up the court, use their athletes who both have size and strength to get up there. And even if it gets to a half-court situation, I think North Carolina can be pretty efficient with some second-chance points and put-back opportunities.
1: John Von Tobel with us. All right, what are we doing for the Masters and – is there any need to bet Tiger – we still don't know if he's officially playing, but is it right. just a waste of money?
3: Yeah, I, th- I mean, so for the most part, I would say yes. Like, look, I- I've heard a lot of interviews, and I get it. We get wrapped up at the moment, and it's the Masters plus Tiger and all these things, and it's sentimental, and it's fantastic. And we ignore the fact that the guy's not played golfing forever and coming off with two major leg injuries. That The fact that the simple act of him, Steve, if he makes the cut, walking the course for four days, right, and what that does to him. As he is coming off of this injury these injuries that he has suffered, like that's something that's, I, I feel like, has not been very much talked about when we're getting wrapped up in the sentiment of Tiger return to Man to Augusta. Uh, so, like, and you're seeing really short prices. Some spots have Tiger at like 35 to 1 to win it. This is absolutely ridiculous. Shorter prices, uh, you know, in terms of plus prices to make the cut. As usual, the value is in betting against him, whether it's to make the cut, not, no, no top 10, no top 20. But I would say this. If you are going to go down that road, shop for your prices. And a shop like Circa is the way you – Circa does a great job with their golf odds. You can get Tiger at 74 to 1 when other, price, uh, other spots are hanging him at like 35 to 1. So if you're going to go down that road, just shop around and get the best number possible. I think it's a fool's errand to bet on him. Uh, but I think that's definitely, like, I'm going to be betting against him. Like, no top tens, not to make the cut, all sorts of these things. Say I just think, I just don't know how you can look at this and think he's going to be having a successful tournament this weekend. If he plays, that is, because you mentioned we haven't had an official word yet.
2: JVT, off season just means that there's just as much action during onseason when it comes to the NFL. We're about three and a half weeks out from Las Vegas hosting the NFL draft. You're going to have some action there. You You feeling good?
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, I love I love betting the NFL draft, Willie, and bettors really should, too. You know, Steve and I have talked about this before, where it's, you know, out of all of these events that we have, this is informationally based. You have as much information as the oddsmakers do. There is no power ratings. There is no numbers, right? There's no, like, uh, effective field goal percentage off of live rebounds and transition, little things like that. This is... Did you get that bit of news before the oddsmakers do? Uh, Do you read enough on the mock drafts or anything like that? Did you listen to that one podcast interview that gives you the edge? And so, like, yeah, the NFL draft is great. love betting the NFL draft. So I've really started to beef up over the last couple of days and getting ready for it. And I will say this. So every year I am very much in the camp of under on the quarterbacks. I think we overblow it almost every single year. Uh, A lot of people you will hear, I'm sure you guys in your conversations about it, have heard my favorite phrase and cliche during draft time now, Extra year of control in the first round, you know. So you're talking about these guys that are quarterbacks. If you get them in the first round, you might get that extra year at the back end of the contract. So I usually bet these things under. There have been mock drafts that have had no quarterbacks taken in the first round. Looks like Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett will probably be the top two guys and there are cinches to get into the first. But I will say this: I'm going to bet that under two and a half, and I'm going to wait to see because the public loves to drive that thing up, and I'll get a plus price. But I can already feel it coming that at 32, the Lions or no, it was yeah, it yes, 32, the Lions are going to get me because they have that last pick of the first round. Uh, they have Jared Goff as their quarterback, no real plan for the future, and you could totally see them reaching on a dude right there and grabbing a quarterback. So I'm still going to bet that under, but I have a really bad feeling it's going to get to the last pick of the first round, and I'm going to get my legs cut out underneath me. But I tend to always bet that prop under. JVT, uh, talk, talking to
2: John from Van Tobel from VEASAN. JVT Thursday opening day, so I got a two part question for you. Number one, you got to have a message to sort of let the players out there know what to do, especially when it comes to futures. But also, did you heed my advice and go get Mike Lee's famous book, Betting the Bases?
3: So I actually did get the book. I've not opened it yet, but I did get the book. It is. <laughs> it is a. Uh, once I'm done, I have a big fantasy baseball draft coming up on Wednesday. So once it yeah. is, uh, once I am done prepping for Tony Miller's fantasy baseball draft, uh, then I will. uh that I will get get into the book, but as far as the futures go for baseball, like look, it's a long season, and I I've always found a lot of opportunity uh, in terms of like letting the season start for the first few months. You know, last year, for example, in May at the end of May, you could have gotten the Tampa Bay Rays at three to one to win the division, and sure enough, they won that division. It, it, this it's I know a lot of people don't like to type their monies in futures and seasons like baseball or NBA. It is quite the slog to bet a future right at the beginning of the year and watch it all play out. But I would think, you know, in baseball, when there's so many games and such big sample sizes that you want to play out, you can sit back and wait for some action and wait for some stuff to happen in the first month or so and then start to get involved, whether it's Rookie of the Year, whether it's the home run race. I mean, Sal Perez last year was one of those too, right? So I think that's something where you're looking around. You can find some really good future value, but you just got to wait. You know, you don't have to dive in right away and invest your money throughout the entire summer starting at the beginning of April.
1: Hey, one more thing, going back to your uh, draft prop on quarterbacks over under two and a half. Mm-hmm. You could back that up by checking out the numbers of the candidates to be the third guy to screw you. Yeah. And get some play on them, right? If it worked out, you know, you're not, you, didn't, you you don't want to suffer, you know, double losses and then not have the right combination. So you're saying like bet on the, uh, the index prop of which quarterback will be the third taken? Uh, third taken, or you could do could you do over unders on whoever it is, Matt Corral or whoever else the candidate is, and see if you can you know you can back it up with insurance. Yeah, I, I think a little he, little, match, little mattress mac action. Yeah, but why is he on something? I've not paid attention. Um, um, he's got he's got five and a half million tonight on Kansas to uh, back up his latest furniture. I know you guys get so annoyed by this, yeah, but of the RJ and Todd Dewey. I I know why they do it because I'm sure the hits on it are freaking Incredible. monstrous and that's what you're trying to do is get traffic but yes he's got the uh, furniture guy out of houston who hedges his furniture promotions by betting uh, he's got massive money on kansas
3: can i just say really quickly because i know you asked me another question but like every time one of these mattress mag things pops up you have like 20 people in the comments going where's Kittos money money's losing so much like he's not He's not losing money. Like he's <laughs> he's setting himself up for success. Like he's gonna right. be fine. You wonder where he gets the money because it's coming in on the other end where people are buying stuff from his store. It's you know, they're okay. great,
1: they're they're great promotions. I, frankly, if I lived in the area, especially tied to sports. Oh, of course. I would I would probably I would have probably done it, and I'm cheap, man, but I probably would have done it because
3: cause you're betting on the other side. I was going to say, you're, you're essentially, you're betting. So, like, yeah, I, I'd be with you. Like, a lot of those, I because they, this is the other thing, Steve, too. Right, how much have we gotten? Like, what well, do you hate him? He's a good guy. That's not the point. I, I don't dislike him in any way whatsoever. Yeah. I just think that this should be covered, like, realistically. Like, he, he gets thrown in there, like, as this big whale who's playing, you know, heavy-handedly. and It's not the case. Like, he's a rich guy. He's doing something insanely smart. He's getting a lot of publication for it. And I'm sure people even travel to go shop at his store, too, to get to, to get in on it. But... Uh, what were we talking about? Uh, we were, talk- oh, we yeah. were
1: talking about betting the next three quarterbacks if you're going <laughs> over under two and a half. Yeah, um, But you know, how about how about we pocket that? Let's actually get the numbers and see if we can crunch them in the next couple of weeks and see if there's a way for you to have over two and a half, but also ensure yourself if one of those guys screws you that you're still making some money.
3: Yep, Yeah, I will be looking for it. Yeah, because there's been a lot of names tied to the Lions, too, at that pick, like Corral. Like, all of them, I think, at one point have been. All right, John, we appreciate it. Good to talk to you guys. Thank you. There is is, John
1: Toble 1 o'clock show, Monday to Friday on Visa and also as a Sunday evening show. And follow him at MeJVT on Twitter. He's dynamite on the NBA, and you know you're going to want to bet the NBA. John has been following it every single freaking day, so he's going to have some really good advice here down the stretch and in the playoffs.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Oh, my God, you're getting married. Oh, I can't believe it. Frank, come here. You come here. Georgie's getting married. Is she pretty? Yes, she's pretty. What difference does it make? Well, I'm just curious. Let me talk to her. Uh, hello? Congratulations. I just want you to know that I love your son very much. You do? Yeah. Really? Yeah. May I ask why? (laughs) You're listening to
1: Cofield and Company
0: on ESPN Las Vegas.
1: Man, I had a good weekend, but that was rough finding out that uh, Mrs. Costanza passed away. By the way, when you watch those clips from Seinfeld and George's mom and dad just scream, like the escalation of the screaming and also the screaming from the other parts of the house, I think almost anyone watching is like, that's either me now or that was my parents. It is hilarious where, you know, hey, c- come here, Frank. Take a look at this. You come here. Like, what? What is why? Why is everyone yelling all the time? Adam was in a house. You can't coexist like this. Adam was
2: disgusted at me the other day when he, Ari, and myself were discussing TV shows. And I said that that was the one show that I've yet to start. For like yeah. a cardio uh, duration, but I've I've never watched it from start to finish. I've maybe watched like episodes here. There, Seinfeld. Yeah, some, some no, I will because because like I've seen episodes, so I, I I like the characters. I like the show. I just have not watched it from start to finish every season. But I I, I really liked her in one movie in particular. Uh, I don't know why it's just I don't know why I like this movie. It's just funny to me. But um, was Good Advice. You see her in Good Advice. She was a secretary with Angie Harmon, Charlie Sheen, Denise Richards. You seen that movie?
1: Never saw it. Might have to Funny go on the movie. list. Might have to Funny go on the movie. list. So, uh, yeah, Stell Harris, I think she was 93. She passed away over the weekend. So, we're coming up here. Uh, two hours away. We got a long pregame from Westwood One on the way. Kansas against North Carolina. I'm probably going the route of what John Von Toble just mentioned and playing a little bit on North Carolina plus the points, and we'll see how the game goes and then maybe bet it back um, in some form or fashion to try to get a middle. Or I might just stay out. I might just stay out. I feel like – I want to lean towards the under because I think Kansas does play good defense. But my worry is that uh, Abaji could go freaking crazy again like he did from three. And, you know, Christian Brown does the same thing. And then all of a sudden we're looking at, uh, you know, North Carolina giving up 10, 11 threes. And then you got no shot at going under 151.
2: Well, and if you look at what North Carolina has done defensively, though, I I wouldn't be so sure. You know, I think Kansas is going to. I don't think that they know what they're coming up against. I mean, they opened with a holding Marquette to 63. They did go to overtime with Baylor, right? Number four in the country coming into the tournament. They held UCLA to 66 points. They held St. Peter's to 49 points in a slower game. And then Duke, it's their rival. So yeah, they play. But I I think that this is a team that they're going to, you know, they're going to turn up the defensive intensity. They've shown a a bit of a defensive prowess. So I think that uh, we may see a, a, a tight game.
1: Food tonight for the game. Are you doing ribs or chicken cordon bleu? Because it's National Chicken Cordon Blue Day.
2: I got. I've already rubbed the ribs down with the perfect Cajun spice, um, and I'm gonna smoke them here in a little bit when we get off the air, and and then finish it with a nice grill, put a little glaze on it. So, and all the trimmings. Gonna have a little garlic mash, some mac and cheese, and.
1: Ari will not do chicken cordon bleu because he doesn't dig on swine. I don't know that he'd do uh, chicken with cheese. But uh, you are going to do a chicken Kiev? We have Kiev, to call it now? Kiev. No, Kiev. Is is the recipe oh. still Kiev or is it now Kiev? What do we do here? Good question. Research. Tonight. Game's coming up in just a little bit. National title on the line. Stick around. We've got all the coverage right here on ESPN Las Vegas.